Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 10th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Education for Heart Warriors, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is Special Education Transitions for Heart Warriors, and our guest is Heart Mom Vicki Lucas. Vicki Lucas is mom to three adult sons, Zach, Alex, and Ian. She is certified in regular and special education. Vicki taught special education for years before becoming a heart mom to Alex, born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS. She is currently a driver's education instructor and active as a special education advocate. Vicki guided Alex through the transition of his educational, social, emotional, and medical needs and is able to advise other parents in planning higher educational goals for their children. Alex now attends college in Maryland, where his family lives. Alex has learned to advocate for himself and was able to obtain important adaptations through his college's Disability Services Office. He is now assuming more responsibility for his medical needs as well. Vicki believes her son's story and her experience as a special education teacher can give hope to families struggling to understand the special education system. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Vicki. Hi, Anna. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, what kind of special services did Alex need in his early years, Vicki? For example, was he in an early childhood intervention or ECI program, or did he receive physical or speech or occupational therapy? Well, it was a surprise to us when he was born. He was not diagnosed before he was born. Once in the state of New Jersey where we lived, early childhood intervention is notified when any child is born with any kind of life-threatening or critical condition. So he became an early childhood candidate right away, and we started a relationship with them. During early childhood, the intervention program They came to us and worked with him for occupational therapy, for physical therapy, and also for speech therapy, which in the beginning involved mostly concerns with feeding, which are typical Mm. with heart children. Right. The oral motor skills and the feeding problems directly relate to potential speech problems, and later on, because of the verbal nature, reading problems. Mm -hmm. Right. Reading and language problems, exactly. Was he intubated for a long time, Vicki? He was intubated for quite a long time. 
And then when we had an emergency revision two days after his first surgery, he was about three to four days old. He was stabilized, had his first surgery. Then the appendicitis, the opening they created with the shunt, was not large enough. Several times he crashed and had to have a revision to that surgery. So multiple intubations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's not surprising then that he might even have some oral aversions. I would be surprised, but this child who's now almost 20 eats everything. (laughs) Okay, but when he was little, so did he have to have a feeding tube as well, Vicki? I guess if there is something really simple to be grateful for, and I admire the women and men who work with their children with a feeding tube, but we never had to go into a feeding tube situation in any of the surgeries. That's good. I was waiting for it. I was expecting it. Mm -hmm. and. We never dealt with it. So I have a great respect. I do, too. I do, too. We were so lucky, just like you are with your Alex. We never did have to deal with the feeding tubes. But a lot of times, kids who are on feeding tubes end up having oral problems as well. Through feeding, your mouth gets stronger, your tongue, and the movements that are necessary for speech are also used for feeding. It sounds like he was lucky that he didn't have feeding issues as well. He was very fortunate in that respect, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of transition did Alex go through? Did he go from an early childhood program into a pre-K program or kindergarten? They still have a program in New Jersey. It's a primary learning center that the children in the district we lived in go to. They accept a handful of regular non-classified children. He was immediately given a preliminary IEP status. He was evaluated by the school system and placed into a primary learning center program for children with different special needs or emotional needs in different ways. They provided about a a three-hour-a-day instruction, like a preschool program. Their stress was OT, PT, speech, and just assembling the kids in a social learning situation. They were able to help us transition him to a kindergarten, half-day program They call it a Developmental Language Learning Program, LLD. So half day, LLD, it was great. It was was almost like full day kindergarten. He -hmm. had half day kindergarten, and then he had half day LLD special education immersion. The very next year, we flip-flopped the program, and in that two-year period, he just exploded with skills. So sometimes there's a real significant delay in the skills verbally, then they just take off like a rocket and you can't stop them from talking. It's wonderful. We made that decision to keep him back in the, quote, kindergarten grade because he was an August birthday Mm -hmm. with medical complications. Right, right. And in a lot of the states, for those of you who are listening and are not from the United States or not from New Jersey, may not know this, but in the United States, we frequently decide when a child should start school by their birthday. And since schools typically start in August or September, if you have an August birthday, you can either decide to send your child to school that year or wait another year. For a lot of families, especially if they have a boy, they'll decide to wait a year because of the maturity. And in this case, it wasn't just maturity, it was the language development. Exactly. He was very small. He was always very small. And so he didn't even look like he was ready to go to kindergarten. Right. He was probably 
more like a three-year-old in size, plus the medical disability and the concerns and the near nonverbal nature. He had started to explode with words, but just started to come up with the words. But the mm-hmm. enrichment that he gained from flip-flopping the schedule and repeating that year of kindergarten half-day and LLD program made a big difference because once he graduated, he was very close to his peers in academic development at that point. The transition between the kindergarten into the rest of the grades was an even smoother process because of that. I know a lot of parents worry that if their children are quote-unquote labeled, that they'll have that label with them for the rest of their lives and that they won't be able to get beyond that. But I think Alex is a perfect example of how that label helped him to catch up to his peers. Look, now he's at college. Nobody would know that he had had to repeat pre-K twice. (laughs) I, I agree. I agree. If you've got to repeat, If you've got to repeat, it can be done very simply at the kindergarten, first grade level. The kids are so close in age, and the age span is from very, very young starting kindergarten to much older starting kindergarten. So when he went in with his peers as a kindergartner for the second time, he was one of the oldest, Uh which is great. There are so many children in that situation. The kindergarten and the elementary school that he dealt with were wonderful. They were small in nature and Every single staff member was extremely supportive. We had discussed that it is really important for us as parents to take our time learning as much as we can to break the medical part down. That becomes something that scares people. It scares school staff. Right. They really want to know as much as they can so right. they can be prepared. What symptoms should I look for is the frequent question. Mm-hmm. And it is a really logical concern. I don't want my child to be identified. I don't want them to have an individualized education plan. I don't want them to be pulled out of the classroom and separated from their peers. I think labels are awesome. Um, <laughs> we can, as a special education teacher, we can always take something away from a program but it is a lot harder to add to a program. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. You can always decide to decline services or reduce the services, but frequently there's a waiting list for those services. So if you wait and wait and wait to apply, by the time you apply, you might have to wait longer because there are other people who are ahead of you who have been waiting as well. So the thing to do is exactly what you did. The minute you get that label, you get that identification that something could go wrong to go ahead and apply for those special services. And then if you don't need them, great. But if you do, you can get started at the beginning because in those early years, we can make a big difference. The first three or four years are critical. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, they're soaking up things like sponges. Whether they can express it verbally or not due to problems with feeding and intubation, they are soaking it up like sponges. Right. I wanted to share in elementary school, the close relationship that you develop has to be with the nurse and their office. Often the nurse may not even know what we're talking about with the hearts. So we have to be the educator and they look to us to be the experts, the teachers. Something that really helped from the very, very beginning, even the preschool, was a communication journal that goes back and forth between the home and the school. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. Thank you for sharing this information about the early years, Vicki. 
Hold on, everybody. We have to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Vicki about how she helped Alex transition into middle school. So we learned a little bit about elementary school. Let's talk about middle school and maybe even a little bit about high school when we come back to Heart to Heart with Anna. The most common themes that I hear is why. She always needed a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it to help me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Lieben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Special Education Transitions for Heart Warriors, and our guest is Vicki Lucas. Vicki has been sharing about her son Alex's transition in early years, and now we're going to talk to her about the middle school and high school years. Vicki, in our last segment, we talked about the transitions that Alex went through in his early years. But let's talk about now his transition from elementary school to middle school. I know a lot of people get concerned about the expectations for middle school students. They start getting a lot more homework and a lot more independent reading is expected. What was Alex's transition like? Alex had a very involved transition in the beginning. The elementary school's concern was basically his relationship with the nurse. He was very involved with different things such as the infections that were in the elementary school and he picked up on them and his resistance was so low because his calories were so diverted to his heart functioning and breathing and and just simple survival but his relationship with the nurse we were prepared for the worst and we mm-hmm. were prepared for him to be a frequent flyer every day it turns out He was hardly in her office each year he was in the middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, which was good news. At the middle school, the biggest concern for heart students and any students with special needs and disabilities is the maturity level that the student begins to grow with, their self-advocacy skills. They need to be able to self-advocate more and more. Mm -hmm. And they also need to be able to understand what they're dealing with personally, medically, so that their confidence, are they comfortable in their skin? And they wanted to make sure he had a real strong self-concept. And they said his self-concept was extremely strong. Academics are important. They will schedule your child according to what is appropriate for them based on their performance academically in elementary school. But he handled things with so much style. Our biggest concern was his stamina and endurance, and could he make it through a middle school day? And he did. Oh, that's just so wonderful to hear. I know that a lot of times it is difficult for those students in the early years because their immune system just isn't built up. But it sounds like Alex's immune system was built up by the time he hit middle school. We felt like we had really made a major milestone. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, talk to us about what the transition was like for him going from middle school to high school, because even my friends who have children who are heart healthy, when their children are going from middle school to high school, it's a big leap. It really is a big leap. And for everyone, all students in general, it's the time where the performance in middle school becomes very critical. We all don't realize that from the day they start middle school, they're really starting the pathway to the transition for high school. Mm -hmm. And the middle school will help you create a transition plan in the eighth grade. Sometimes the team from the high school will come down to a middle school and meet with the family, the student. It's very important that the heart warriors participate in their IEP meetings, their educational plan, or if they're fortunate enough to transition into a 504 plan for the Americans with Disabilities Act, that the kids know what's going on. They often say, I don't want to take this kind of class or Mm -hmm. I don't want to take an advanced or GT class. But if they've got the academic capability and potential, they should be placed appropriately. And then the diminishment of services will be very clear. Alex went from being the most immersed child in his kindergarten program to transitioning from resource room to in-class support to services like speech provided directly in the classroom. And then as those things improved and there was no discrepancy between aptitude and academic performance, they cut him loose. And he eventually became a candidate for what they called a medical plan in high school. Mm-hmm. No IEP, no 504, and right to the medical plan. So his relationship was very self-advocating with his teachers and with the school nurse. It really was a dream come true. Wow, it sounds perfect. It sounds like the exact transition that you hope for when you started that journey such a long time ago when he was what three years old good grief uh yeah I mean, <laughs> when chaos breaks loose at birth and I, right. I was just thinking this morning that he will be 20 in a couple of months and it feels like all of this just happened yesterday and then for many of us we all understand that it just almost feels like how in the world Did we ever get through all of that? (laughs) What our big responsibilities, we feel like we have an obligation to be as a family and Alex as a heart warrior growing into young adulthood that he realizes and he has come to realize he is a real inspiration Mm -hmm. for many, many kids and their parents because the journey can be quite scary and horrifying and we're just so happy that we can help. Right, right. And I love it that you're sharing his story with us today and that it is so inspiring and uplifting. What advice do you have for a heart mom today? Since you're a special education teacher and you have gone all the way from those early childhood days through now having a college student in your home, what what (laughs) advice can you give to that heart mom who's looking at her child today wondering, what do I do next? If you're looking at a newborn or a three-year-old, never lose sight of hope and goal. It's so hard. We get challenged and pushed, but stay vigilant about their services. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're aware of the contact time they have with a professional, in-class support services, speech, OTPT, and other things they might need, such as behavioral sessions with a therapist Mm -hmm. are often helpful as they get older. 
Right. We just wanted to make sure that we understand we have options, mm-hmm. diplomas, certificates, continued support services. As he's transitioned into college, the exciting news for us, and it was like a dream come true, is he was accepted into seven colleges, which was a mind blower. Wow. He himself burst into tears when he got accepted. Oh, wow. For the first college. It was so touching because I tried to control my emotions. Mm -hmm. And he has just completed his first semester. And he ran in the room before we started talking. And he told me that he has a 3.2. And I'll tell it to the world. He has a 3.2 grade average, which is very, very good for any college student. I was very thrilled because as a special educator, I would encourage parents of any student, whether they have a mild allergy or severe disability or disease, that we talk to our teachers and our child study teams and our faculty about individual education plans and 504 plans and understand the difference between the child getting a diploma in four years or the child getting a certificate, which would enable them to continue to the age of 21 in the public school setting. Oh, I think that's so important. And that's a great place for us to take a quick break. Don't leave yet, listeners, because when Vicki comes back after this break, we're going to talk about Alex's transition from high school to college and even to adulthood in general. We'll be right back. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics. Heart to Heart with Nicole and David serving the ACHD community Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is special education transitions for heart warriors. And I have Vicki Lucas in the studio with me. We've been chatting about her son, Alex, and his transition from middle school to high school. But now we only have a few minutes left, and I want to talk about his transition from high school to adulthood and into college. Vicki, I think this is what all heart parents dream about, that someday their heart warriors will survive and thrive in their early years into adulthood. And we often don't think about the transitions that are needed for our children to become successful adults. So can you tell us about the most challenging educational transition you went through with Alex while he was transitioning from high school to college? Our educational concern was that he would be able to get adaptations for classes as needed and an understanding because college is so fluid 
There's so mm -hmm. many changes. You have semester professors. It's not somebody who knows you all year long. You're going to encounter a lot of people who've never met you, don't know about your heart. Right. Self-advocacy becomes the key. It's not me or my husband calling the school and telling them about Alex. It's mm -hmm. Alex going to the healthcare office and visiting with the nurse and introducing himself. It's Alex going into the student's disabilities office and telling them that he has a medical condition where he would like to apply and you have to apply for your adaptations. They call them adaptations. Mm -hmm. He was able to get about five adaptations, which included the ability to leave the room to get some fresh air, go to the bathroom and be back in 10 minutes. He was able to get his testing relocated if he needed it to the testing center so that if he needed extended time on a test, an exam, he was able to schedule in the testing center and take it. And he was also able to work with the professors in case he faced a doctor's visit or hospitalization. It wouldn't be punitive. Sometimes we will run into people, and that's part of self-advocacy. The young adults will run into some professors who don't really understand the nature of the heart defect. Right, right. And it's really different when they're on their own and you're not just a phone call away because they're expected no. to do it for themselves. And I know for my Alex, when he first went away to college, he got really sick his first semester and he ended up missing one of his exams. But he went to the Disability Support Services office before he started school, and he also had permission if he was sick that he didn't have to show up anyway, that he could take his exam later. It was really important right. that he knew that because for our kids, when they get sick, it can take a lot longer for them to get better, and for them to go into the classroom sick is not a good idea. When we were planning, we were hoping for the best. We're hoping mm -hmm. for the four-year situation. And we planned for every level we could. We had a backup plan for trade school. We had a two-year program. We had a four-year program in place. And he was accepted to seven colleges, wow. which was just the greatest gift. It was the most wonderful, astounding gift. And the day he got his first college acceptance, he realized the magnitude. And he himself burst into tears. Yeah. Um, I get very choked up thinking about it. <laughs> I can imagine. We worried so much about medical, and that's such a critical mm -hmm. thing. It will never go away, and we continue to worry about it. But we forget sometimes to prepare them emotionally to be confident self-advocates. It can be quite astounding. When parents are looking at colleges, sometimes distance will make a factor in their decision. Do you want to be close enough to be there in two to five hours? Do you need to get there by plane? Right. We've come to a happy compromise, and next January he will be at a four-year college that's two hours or less away. But he already knows the questions to ask. He knows yeah. the student health services office is a place he needs to set up a relationship from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. He knows the disability support services office is a place he must go from the very beginning. And right. If he needs instructional support, he's just like any other student. He'll get instructional support from the testing center and from right. the writing center. Mm -hmm. um, the crazy funny thing is, is I was the kind of parent, we, we would go to the college visits. And my first question was not about departments or studies of majors. My question was, do you have a place to land a helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? And they looked at me like, well, why? And I said, well, do you have a situation if student became chronically or critically ill and needed to be airlifted out of here? Where would the helicopter land? So heart moms are very special and dads are very <laughs> special people. It's our job to think of things that people don't ordinarily think of because we don't live ordinary. We it's, don't live ordinary It's going lives. to be a continual process. Right, right. We do not live ordinary lives. I agree with you 100%. My son decided to go halfway across the country to a college mm. that was in New York City, and I live in Central Texas. And one of the first things that I had to do was ask his cardiologist to recommend other cardiologists in New York City for us to go and That's visit very with. good. Very yeah. scary, though. Very scary. And luckily, even though I had a thumb drive with all of his most recent information, that I physically took to the office because I wanted to see this doctor myself. Alex never had to visit with him, but we knew he was right. there just in case. And I think you're right. We heart parents have to think of those potentialities, hoping and praying that it won't ever be necessary. The whole time Alex was in New York, he was able to arrange his cardiology appointments during his breaks. And so that was never a right. problem. But I could not sleep at night, Vicki, if I didn't know there was somebody there just in case. That takes me to the next question, which is about the medical transitions that you've gone through in helping Alex to establish himself as an adult and to assume control of his medical care. So tell me about how you helped him do those transitions. Well, I continue right now. He's attended by Dr. Cross and Johns Hopkins. I accompany him down to the visit, but now my role is shifting into the waiting room parent. Yeah, uh, me too. She would come out to greet me and mm -hmm. she would come out and just give me the one minute highlight of the visit. But the responsibility for asking questions and understanding his condition, his cardiac condition is upon him. He sure. is the young adult grown up now. So yeah. if they want to bring me in, they will bring me in. But right now he is at the stage where we are evaluating him for other auxiliary medical conditions that accompany the heart defects and we're checking the liver and things like that. So they will involve me when they need to. My responsibility is to bring the imaginary duct tape and put it over my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Medically impossible to do. We do talk about the future. I do tell him things that I want him to always keep in the back of his mind medically and his responsibility as he grows up so that he takes care of his body and understands that his actions in college and in life will impact his heart so that he is keenly aware of how he feels and he can describe it to a physician and I don't need to be there. Right. It's, it's a task. It's tough. It's really tough. I'm not even a waiting room parent now. I'm not allowed in the in the hospital <laughs> when he's there. He just goes by himself. He's like, I've got this, Mom. You've been training me for this forever. It's okay. And the one thing that I feel really blessed with with my Alex is that he has given his cardiologist permission to talk with me if I ever have yes, a question or concern. But this is something that your child has to give permission. Otherwise, because of HIPAA laws here in the United States, the doctor does not even have the right to talk to the parents anymore, which kind of burns me up. But I get it. It's Alex's body. It's his it's his medical condition, and I really do need to be hands-off. And he has trained me. <laughs> now it's to the point where Alex <laughs> is training me. I've got this, Mom. And he's doing a really good job. So 
That makes me feel more confident that he can continue to be an advocate for himself. So kudos to you, my friend. I know how hard it is. Oh, that's true. Thank you. It's hard. I think it's harder to let them go than it was for us to have all those millions of visits. This is much harder now. Oh, gosh, I think it's just so much harder. So the last question I have for you, Vicki, is as both a heart mom and a special ed teacher, what's the best advice you can offer parents to help them help their children go through all these transitions on their way to becoming responsible adults? The best thing I can say, and it's very brief, is to never give up hope. Whatever contributions they make to society are going to be the most valuable things. And we know that as parents. Stay involved. Stay up on advances, but don't let misinformation scare you and mm. ask for advice, especially from us old timers. We're, <laughs> we're very glad that we're a seasoned heart family yes. yeah. and that Alex has made it to this wonderful age in life and stage in life where he recognizes his responsibility to help younger children and their parents as an inspiration. Just be a great support, as we always will be emotionally, medically, and informationally for our young heart warriors. Be hopeful. Never stop dreaming big. Keep thinking big. Absolutely. You have to keep thinking big. I think that's so important. And I love it that we have an opportunity to be an inspiration for those heart warriors following our heart warriors footsteps. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Vicki. Thank you so much. I love it. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week at noon Eastern time on Tuesday. And until then, please find and follow our radio show on Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.